morning, everyone. It's great to have you here. My name is John Miklas. I'm the lead pastor at CCC. And if you're a guest here with us this morning, I want to extend a welcome to you. Uh, it's great to have you here with us. Thanks for spending part of your Sunday morning with us. And for those that regularly attend here at CCC, it's great to have you here with us today as well. Before we jump into the message this morning, a few things I want to highlight for you. Uh, the first is uh, a couple weeks ago, we introduced you to, uh, reintroduced you to Reg and Kim Frank. And they are missionary appointees to the country of Austria. They've been a part of our church here for the last couple years. And our ushers are going to pass out a card to you that looks like this. So uh, last week we gave you a card just to pray for them. They are on their way out to Colorado for three weeks of training. And so uh, we'll be hearing from them in just a couple of weeks. Uh, but this card is a little different because this is a way you can follow them. There's a link there that you can go on and follow their, week, their regular blog. There's also an opportunity for you to support their ministry. Uh, last summer we did what we called the Summer of Generosity. We're going to do that again this summer, and uh, we're going to each month be focusing on a different opportunity for you to support what God is doing either here or around the world. And so this month we're focusing on their ministry to the country of Austria. Um, it's a, they will be ministering to students and young adults, uh, refugees, and also uh, supporting trips that will be coming there to minister there as well. So uh, you can scan the QR code with your phone. There's an opportunity for you to start to give even $10 a month. And you might be wondering, well, why aren't we just giving it to the church and you give it to them? And the reason for this is we want you to correct, connect directly with Reg and Kim. Uh, one of the things they'd love to do is to be able to pray for and encourage the people that are directly supporting them. And so we want you to go and support them directly. So um, an opportunity for you to be able to do that. Also want to highlight one other thing that's coming up, and that's baptism is coming up here in next month. Uh, baptism is an opportunity for you to go public uh, with your faith if you have committed to follow Jesus and you have said, I want him to be the one in charge of my life. I want to give my life. I've given my life to him. The next step we would encourage you to take is baptism. Baptism is the way you declare that publicly. And so if you are interested in doing that, it's very simple. Just take your communication card, which if you haven't filled that out, hopefully you've taken that out and are starting to do that. Flip it over and just check the box that says baptism. And one of our pastors will be able to connect with you and talk with you more about that process and what's going on. Well, today's an exciting day. It feels a little different today. Does today feel a little different today? You know, other than it being freezing cold outside and up here on the stage, it's a little different, you know, but uh, I don't know what those guys were doing out in the parking lot. Maybe they were getting ready for the wilderness trip. You know, they're trying to get used to being outside in the, in the cold and the rain and things like that. And did everybody find their seat? Everybody found their seat? Did you guys figure out which side to sit on? It was a little confusing, I know, and you, you got here a little tough, but everybody found their seat. Our washer was broken, so I had to go get clothes from my son's room. You know, fortunately, they were clean and they, they look good. I'm not as buff as he is, but you know, they, they fill, fill me out pretty good. You can tell him I said that, so since he doesn't know I'm wearing his clothes. But uh, um, today's all about change. Today's all about change. If you haven't guessed it, we're going to talk about change today. And then life is constantly changing. And, and I don't know if you realize this, but if it's not changing in your life, it's changing in the life of someone around you. And there's parts of change that we love, but there's parts of change that we don't. How many of you like this change when you finally got this? How many of you like that change, you know? We all love that change, didn't we? You know, freedom, freedom, right? We could be on our own. We didn't have to have somebody driving us where we wanted to go. Um, you, we like the change when we no longer have to ask for money. Now we get to spend our own money, right? We get to spend our own money. We get to make our own money. Um, how many of you like when we get to set our own curfew, make our own decisions, run our own lives, we love those changes that happen. 
Parents, you go through a lot of changes with your kids. You know, how many of you are glad that you don't have to change diapers anymore? Let me see a hand for that. You know, how many of you are glad for that you don't have to do that anymore? Um, how many of you are glad when your kids can feed themselves, clothe themselves, when they can do their own homework, drive themselves, pay their own bills, you know? We love when those changes happen, when they take place. Um, how many of you like the change of when your kids give you grandkids? How many of you are enjoying that change? And some of you are like, tell them to hurry up, tell them to hurry up, you know? Um, so we love change, but while we love change, we hate the discomfort of making change. Isn't that true? We love change. We hate the discomfort of making change. How many of you really enjoyed potty training your kids? You know, you don't enjoy it, but you love the result, right? No more diapers. But the change process is really hard. How many of you parents have taught a kid to drive? Let me see your hands. How many of you have taught a kid to drive? How many of you love the process of teaching your kids to drive? You know, you don't love the process, right? You love the result. You love the result. So we don't love the process, but we love the result. We love change, but we hate the discomfort of making change. We hate the struggle and the tension that comes around making change, but we love the results of change. You know, one of the things that's true about God is God is all about change. God is all about change. And he's all about changing you. He's all about changing me. Paul talks about this in Philippians 1, 6, where he says, I'm confident of this, that he, referring to God, who began something in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And he's referring to the day you leave this earth, your last breath. What Paul is saying there is he's saying God's doing something. He's changing something in you. And he's going to keep changing stuff in you until you're done here. But again, we love the result of change, but we don't like the process, right? I don't know about you, but I love when God changes something in me. But I hate the excruciating process of it happening. In time, I can come to value it, but most of the time, I really don't. I really don't. God's involved in doing that in the church as well. Matthew 16, 18, uh, Christ said, I tell you that you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church. God is building his church. He's, building, he's been doing it for centuries He's been doing it since Jesus was here on this earth, and he does it in all kinds of plans and in all kinds of ways, and he's all about making that happen. That means things are changing, things are growing. How does God do this in us? How does he change us? Paul talks about this in Galatians 4. He said, my dear children, from whom I again in the pains of childbirth, till Christ is formed in you. That's how God's changing you. What do you mean Christ is formed? What God wants to see happen is God wants to see you become more and more and more like Jesus. That's Christ being formed in you. You being transformed to be more like Jesus. We all know what transformers are, don't we? You know, the little cars that turn into bots, you know, we all know what those are. We've seen them everywhere. That's the kind of change that God wants to do in you. He wants the person you used to be to become someone different, and that's a person who's more like Jesus. And he said it's going to be hard. It's going to be like childbirth, and only some of you know in this room know the pains of that. Others think you don't, and you're self-deceived, you know, but some of you know what that is like, you know? Painful and agonizing, excruciating, but an incredible, incredible what God produces in the life that comes. And so that's what God is all about doing in us. But how does he do that in the church? How does he do that in the church? 
Well, he does that in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. He says, go and make disciples. That's how God does that in the church. Jesus said to his followers, I want you to go and I want you to find people that don't know about me. I want you to introduce them to me. I want you to invite them to follow me. I want you to model for them how to love me. And then they're going to become one of my disciples. And he goes on in this verse to explain how to do that. And so not only is God growing and changing us, but God is growing and changing the church. There's a story I want us to look at this morning that I think helps us to understand some of these, uh, some of what God is all about doing in the church, and that's in Luke chapter 5. If you have a Bible, if you would turn to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, you can follow along on your phone or on an app, Luke chapter 5, and in the gospel of Luke, what's happening up to this point in time is Jesus had just started to find his followers, and so he met this guy named Peter, who was a fisherman, and he said to Peter, he said, Peter, I want you to come and follow me. And not only, on, not only was Peter on the fishing crew, but James and John were on the fishing crew, and they came to follow Jesus as well. And as, as shortly after they came to follow, Luke records that, that Jesus met a man with a crippling disease called leprosy. A disease that caused you to be ostracized because of the, the dangerous nature of the way it would spread. And Jesus healed this guy. There's also a man who was paralyzed and he showed up. Jesus healed him as well. And after all these healings took place, the people said this. They were amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we've seen remarkable things. We've seen remarkable things. And then in verse 27, Luke records for us another story. In verse 27, Jesus left the town that he was in, and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax collector's booth. Um, Tax collectors were bad guys. We talk about them often because Jesus runs into these guys often. Um, They were hated. Uh, They were despised. They were considered a traitor because they stole money. They took money that wasn't theirs from their friends and relatives. Um, This guy's name was Levi, not the guy who made your jeans, but he's also known as Matthew. Um, and he was there at his booth, and Jesus said to him, he said, Levi, why don't you come and follow me? And uh, that's what Jesus said to him. As I thought about Jesus speaking to this guy named Levi, the thing that always strikes me when I read about Jesus is this, that the people who are least like Jesus, they liked Jesus. The people who are least like Jesus, like Jesus. I think about the people that I like, the people that I gravitate toward, people that are similar to me and have similar interests and similar things that they enjoy. But that wasn't what Jesus did. Jesus went to the people that were very different than he was. I don't gravitate towards people who are disliked and hated, treated with disdain, and no one wants anything to do with them. I don't. But Jesus did. And not only did he move towards them, but they liked him. The people who were least like Jesus, really like Jesus. So how do you know that, John? Well, what did did Levi do? He got up and he left everything, and he went and followed Jesus. He left a lucrative career. He was a tax collector, meaning he worked for Rome, and he could add additional surplus tax on that to the rate that he would set. Whatever he could squeeze out of the people is what he got. He worked for the Roman government, the ruling power of that day and that era. He had a job set for life, and he walked away from it all to follow Jesus. 
And what did Matthew do after he started following Jesus? He decided to throw a party. He had a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. Who are the tax collector's buddies? Obviously, other tax collectors. This was a gathering of the most hated, most despised people in that whole community, in that whole region. Those are the people that Jesus was with. And as I thought about Jesus being with them, I thought, how ironic is that? Because Jesus was hanging out with people who didn't act or believe in any way like he did. They didn't act. They were dishonest. They were liars. They were thieves. They didn't believe. They said, whatever I can get for myself, I'm taking. That's 100% contradictory with what Jesus believed and the way Jesus lived. But it says they were eating together and hanging out together. And the religious leaders didn't like it. They complained bitterly to Jesus. They said, why do you eat and drink with such scum? One other place, they talked about Jesus being a friend of sinners. Um, You know, to eat and drink with people denotes camaraderie and friendship. You enjoy being together. That Jesus wasn't just fulfilling a dinner request. It had come his way five times and he said, okay, I got to say yes to this person just to get them off my back and then I'll go on and move on with life. You've had those, haven't you? You know? No, that's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus said, I want to be with these people. And they liked him because nobody else liked them at all. And Jesus, upon hearing this, he replied to the religious leaders and he said this. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people too. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners and need to repent. Jesus said, I didn't come to be with and to help people who have it all figured out. They don't need me. They don't need me. I came to help people who don't have it all figured out. People said, my life's kind of a mess. I I screwed it up. I did some stuff that's horrible. I wish I hadn't done it. Now I'm in this hole. I don't know how to get myself out. Can somebody help me? Jesus said, I'm in there with you, buddy. I'm with you. Because Jesus came to people that wanted to repent. The word repent simply means to change, to go the opposite direction. To go the opposite direction. I think for me and for most of us, we tend to want to be with people who have it all figured out. Because we tend to think, if they've got it all figured out, I need to go be with the people who have it all figured out, because then I'll get my stuff figured out. We tend to think that way, don't we? You know, learn from someone who's got it all figured out. That makes a lot of sense, right? That's not what Jesus did. Jesus went to the people who didn't have it all figured out, who didn't know what to do, who were hopeless and helpless. And he said, just come be with me. Just come be with me. The religious leaders continued their line of questioning with Jesus. They said, your disciples, John's disciples, they fast and pray, and then so do the disciples of Pharisees. Why are your disciples, why are they always eating and drinking? And Jesus is talking about some of the religious rules of that day. They had the religious rules of when they were supposed to pray and when they were supposed to fast. And Jesus' disciples didn't follow any of the rules. They're like, how come your guys get to not have to follow all the rules and these guys follow all the rules? How come? Jesus goes on to explain it. He says, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be gone and then they will fast. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, when you go to a wedding... 
when you go to a party, that's the time to take your diet and set it aside, right? Okay, that's the time for this to be your cheat day, for those of you that know what cheat days are when you're on diets, right? Jesus is saying, it's time to set all those old things aside and time to embrace something new. Just come and enjoy. Come and enjoy. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, there'll be a time to go back, but there's a time to come and enjoy. They wanted to be fasting. Jesus said, no, now's the time for feasting. He then went on to tell them a story. He said, no one tears a piece of cloth from the new garment and uses it to patch the old, for then the new would be ruined and the new patch won't even match the old garment. So Jesus is saying, he says, what do you do if you have a hole in your jeans? What do you do? You cut another hole and you make the rip bigger, right? That's what you do, right? That's the end thing, right? No, that's not what Jesus was talking about. That's what we talk about. What was Jesus talking about? He says, you get a hole in your jeans. What do you do? You get a patch, right? And you take that patch, and this is what you used to do. You don't do it anymore. You take that patch, and you put that patch. But he's saying that patch is new material, new fabric. If it's not been pre-washed and pre-shrunk, what's going to happen to that fabric after you wash and dry it several times? It's going to do what? Shrink. It's going to shrink. And he says, if you've taken that off of something new, now you still have your hole in your jeans, and you've ruined and something new as well. So they're both ruined. They're both ruined, is what Jesus says. He says, the new is ruined trying to fix the old. The new is ruined trying to fix the old. As one final illustration, then we'll talk about what all these mean. He says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Anybody tried that recently? Anybody tried that? I don't think anybody's tried that, so... What do we put liquid into? What do we put it into? A bottle, a pitcher, a cup, right? They didn't have those things in those days. They didn't have them. And so what did they put liquid in? They put liquid in what was called a wineskin. A wineskin was the skin of an animal, often a goat, that was clean, that was cured. Um, and that's what they would put their liquids inside of. But what happened with wine is when the wine was, the grapes were taken off of the vine and the grapes were pressed and a wine press and the juices flowed out and they would capture the juices. They would put those juices into the wineskin. And what would happen is when they put those juices in the wineskin, if it had not been left to sit out, it went through a fermentation process. And anybody know what happens to wine when it ferments? It expands. It expands. And so... These wineskins, they would put liquid in it, take liquid out, put liquid in, take liquid out. And over time, the skin would dry and it would get hard and crack. And then it would do what? It would leak. It would leak. So you've got a leaky wineskin and you try to put new wine in it and the new wine starts to expand. What happens? There's a picture of wineskin. Um, you put the new wine in the wineskin, what happens? It all comes out. It all comes out. And I think there's a principle there, and the principle here is this. If you do not change, you will lose everything good that you have. If you do not change, you will lose everything good that you have. I have people say to me all the time, John, I'm, I'm good, I'm fine. I don't, need to, I don't need to deal with that stuff. That's just the way I am. I'm not going to go there. And I say to them, you're putting something at risk. You're putting something at risk if you don't. If you don't change, you lose everything good that you have. 
And what does Jesus say? No one puts new wine into the old wineskins, for the new wine would burst them, spilling the wine and ruining the wineskins. If you don't change, um, the new wine has to be stored in new wineskins. If you do not change, you would lose everything good that you have. What's the point of this parable, these parables, these stories Jesus is telling? He's trying to illustrate to the religious community that there's an old way, there's an old process, there's an old testament, there's an old system that is filled with rules and regulations. And he's trying to introduce them that there is a new way, and the new way is all about relationship, not rules. And the new, is, the new way is about a new relationship with Jesus, and about a new kingdom, and about a new king, and about a new way of living with hope and joy and peace. And he said, you can't, you can't mix the old and the new. You have to set the old aside and be ready to embrace something that's brand new. He said, with the fasting and the feasting, put the fasting on hold. He said, with the new patch and the old clothes, don't try to mix the old and the new. With the new wine and the old wineskins, he says, you have to replace the wineskins. And Jesus is saying, if you do not change, you will lose everything good that you have. Now, some of us don't like that statement. We kind of push back on it. We say, what do you mean lose everything good? That's not really true. I think there's a lot of truth to this. I think there's a lot of truth to this. Because remember what Jesus said. He said, as long as you're here and as long as you're a Christ follower, and as long as you have a desire to know him and have a relationship, God's going to be doing what? He's going to be changing you. He's going to be transforming you. He's going to be making you more and more like Jesus. And if you say, I'm good, I don't really need to change, you might be putting something at serious risk. Because God is in the change and transformation business. That's what he's all about. So what's the point of all of this, John? What's the point of this? Well, if you haven't guessed already, we're going to talk about a change that's going to come here at CCC. And we decided to spend a service on it just to help us walk through this whole process. But this fall, we're going to launch a third service in October. We're going to launch a third service in October. And I want to talk to you about where we're at and what God has done here at church and why we believe God's doing it and what this going to, the impact is going to be for all of us. Okay? So in order to illustrate that, um, let me ask, first of all, is there anybody here in the room, um, and I get choked up just talking about these experiences, but is there anybody who is here in this room who came to the small group that met in our house before our church started? Anybody here in this room that did that? Stand up. You guys got to stand up. Ten, wolf, ten length of wolf. They've been around forever, man. They were, so, originals. Um, they're very valuable. Originals are very valuable right now, you know, so um, <laughs> trying to dig myself out of that hole. All right. Um, <laughs> All right, so if you came to church when we met in what was... No, you guys got to stay standing, stay standing. In the Holiday Inn or what was now known the Comfort Inn, if you came to church to CCC when we were in the Holiday Inn or the now the Comfort Inn, would you stand? Anybody here who is there? Oh, we got a couple. Okay, there's a couple more here. All right, if you went to church in the Little Chapel in Five Pointville, would you stand? Little Chapel in Five Pointville. Okay, we got a few more, a couple more. Okay, this is our church 20 years ago, right here, 20-some 20, 20 years ago. You're looking at them. This is our church right here, times two. We had more in the first service. Um, if you started coming to CCC when we met at Gaiman's in the Mennonite School, would you stand? Okay, now look around. This is only about half the room. Now, if you started coming since we've been here at Reinhold's, would you stand? Everybody else should stand up now. Everybody else stand up. <laughs> it's 
kind of a clue. It's not really hard. Thanks. You guys can all sit down. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's pretty amazing to see what God has done here and the growth and change that we went through. You know, the growth and change from, uh, from loading up that, uh, the red escort wagon I had to bring all the stuff to the Holiday Inn, and then the horse trailer that somebody retrieved from somewhere in West Virginia with unknown, lace, unknown tags, you know. And then the recycled mare's bread truck that got moved stuff for years and years. And then the shed. I mean, just you think about all the changes that we've been through here at CCC. And thank goodness we don't have to do setup any longer. Praise Jesus, you know. We're so glad to be done with that. Some of you are like, setup? What are you talking about? Don't even ask. Don't even ask, you know. But we think about the change that God has brought us. You know, remember that the end result of change we love. The process of change is hard. It's hard. It's hard. So what's happened here at CCC since we've been here in the last three years? Since we've been here. I want to give you some information that we shared in our members gathering recently. So um, 2015, our average attendance was 354. 2016, 399. 2017, 445. March of this year, it was 537 people. And we're at 80% capacity in both of our services. That's what God's done here in the last three years. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, we went from four staff members. We added four more in the 2017. Damien's come on to fill in the gap while Johnny's uh, still recovering. We have summer intern, and we're looking at more staffing. That continues to grow as a church. When we look about our facility, we renovated the kids' environments, the lobby, the bathrooms, the sanctuary. We're finishing up the parking. We're at it, working on phase two of the parking Finished kitchen and office renovations, over $850,000 in renovations debt-free. Debt-free. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Along with that is changes in our ministry. Our kids' ministry is just exploding. Our small groups being added on a regular basis. We just keep seeing change happen over and over and over and over again. But what comes with change? What comes with change? Think about the most awkward season of physical change that you've ever gone through in your life. What's it called? Adolescence, puberty, right? Right? The, 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 the voice squeaks, the clothes shrink, you know, the body odor starts, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's just awful. It's just awful, right? Right? And you don't think you got a problem, but everybody else around you knows it's a problem, and you're like, you know, what, what's all this about this change, you know? Um, but what comes with change? Some things that are uncomfortable, right? Some things that are awkward, some things that are hard to figure out. So as we prepare for this change, we're going to go through the things that feel a little awkward. Say, what are you talking about, John? Well, one of the things that's going to happen is we're going to take two full services and split them into three. That means there's going to be space. And so we're going to move you up to the front to sit together so the worship and teaching is meaningful and impactful. That's going to feel uncomfortable, why do you think we created this, this arrangement this morning? We're going back next week, in case those of you that are stressed out. I'm not wearing shorts and t-shirts because I'm freezing to death up here this week, you know? You're welcome, ladies, you know? Um, I'm not joking. My hands are like freezing cold up here. Uh, 
And so there's going to be change that's going to happen. But what comes with those changes? Let's talk about that for a minute. What comes with those changes? Lots of new faces. Hard to find a parking place. So we got the new parking lot. Meeting new people. The lobby's crowded. The worship is energizing. But people are meeting Jesus and their lives are being changed forever. And that's what we want to be about. So what won't change? What won't change? Well, some things that aren't going to change is your gracious acceptance of anyone who walks through those doors. No matter who they are, no matter what their story is, that you welcome everybody that walks through those doors. Because it's not whether they meet Roddy at the door, whether they meet me, or whether they meet Tim. That is not what makes people feel accepted. It's that you welcome them. And you do it week in and week out and week in and week out. And that's not going to change. Impactful worship, authentic, transparent Life uh, related to life teaching, an amazing kids ministry. And what's not going to change is we're not going to stop introducing more and more people to Jesus. So what is going to change? What is going to change? Well, one thing that's going to change is our service times. Our service times. So we all have to change. Nobody's exempt from the change. So this is not the early bird group. So 8 o'clock, you're like, who would come to church at 8 o'clock? You know, but we will be doing our best to worship Jesus at 8 o'clock in the morning, you know. Um, 9.45 and then you can go to breakfast and come and join us at 11.30 and get your week and enjoy that time together. So that's what's coming. That's what's coming. Um, many of you join a ministry team. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. More people come to know Jesus. More people get baptized. More small groups. And we're going to impact more people in Cocalico, Garden Spot, Ephrata, Mifflin, and Wiser for Jesus. That's what's going to change. That's what's going to change. And we can't wait to see what God has in store for us. So how? How are we going to go through this process? How are we going to go through this process? Well, I'm kind of a sports junkie, and so I follow almost any kind of sports. And so I know the NBA playoffs just finished. And one of the most amazing plays when I watch uh, basketball is when a player is trying to make a shot Another player fouls them, meaning they hit their arm. Usually it's their arm. They're hitting their arm, or sometimes they're hitting them sideways or hitting them in the head or something. And the player has the ability to stay somewhat balanced with one arm or two, get the shot off, make the shot, and be fouled at the same time. They're incredible strength, incredible balance, incredible skill. And when a player is able to do that, they, on answers, will often say, they will often say, and one, meaning they got the basket and one, which is a foul enabling them to shoot again. So they get an opportunity for more. They get an opportunity for more. Whether it's, if they shot a two, it's an opportunity for three. If they shot three, it's an opportunity for four. And this summer, we're going to challenge you to be a part by challenging you to be a part of and one. You say, what is and one? In order to pull off a third service, um, we're going to need a number of you um, to add something else to your life. Um, and we're going to talk about that as we wrap up for a few minutes. The first thing that we're going to have to challenge you to, and, to, to be an and one is to continue, consider serving here at CCC. Consider serving here at CCC. Right now, approximately 50% of the people that call CCC their church home serve in some way. Uh, they serve one to two times a month on a regular basis, half of our church. In order for us to launch a third service, we need to add 78 new volunteers by October. 78 new volunteers by October. Um, 
And that is people from those that stand in the parking lot to the greeters, uh, to those that sit in the, our infant nursery, to those that watch preschoolers, to those that work behind the scenes, uh, to those that serve in our tech booth, um, all over the whole ministry, the whole ministry. Um, and so we're going to challenge you this summer, if you're not serving somewhere, this is the challenge. If you're not serving somewhere, we're going to challenge you to add one, add one to something in your life this next fall. We're not asking those of you that are already serving to add more. We're asking those of you that are not to say, is there a way that I can jump in and be involved? We have an amazing team of volunteers, absolutely amazing team of volunteers. Um, and we want you to be a part of that team. As you go out of the lobby, you'll see a bunch of cards you'll see on the wall that look like this. And there's cards with information, all the different opportunities for you to serve. If you pull out your program, in your program, pull that sheet out. It lists all of them on that sheet. If you haven't already looked at that, pull that out. Take a look at those things that are listed on that sheet. Um, and there's more detailed description on the, all these cards. There's 78 of these cards hanging on the wall. And our challenge by this fall is to have all of those cards filled, all those positions filled. And again, we're not asking those of you that are already serving to add more. We're asking those that are not to get in the game. Because as you get in the game, as you add something to, the, to the, your life, we believe God is going to pour back into your life in amazing ways. We're going to give an op, have an opportunity this summer for you to hear from volunteers who are serving, for you to hear about the impact that they're making, the way that God uses them on a regular basis as we talk about this all throughout the summer. Now, those of you that are already serving, you might be saying, John, what's my and one? What's my and one? Well, I want to tell you, your and one is to say, God, who in my life do you want me just like Jesus to invest in, to love, to serve, to this fall invite the CCC? Who? Who? I mean, look around the room this morning. How many more people could we fit in this room? Not a lot. Not a lot. If half of you invited a guest, we'd have no place for them. That's why we're adding another service. Um, and so my challenge for you is to identify someone in your life, in your world. If you don't have one, say, God, give me someone. We don't want you finding a neighbor who goes to another church or goes to LCBC and invite them to come here. They can keep going to LCBC and their other churches. We love LCBC and the other churches in the community. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for people who were not like Jesus, who liked Jesus. We're looking for people who are not like us, who'd like us. Because we love them like Jesus. That's who we're looking for. That's who we're looking for. And I'm not asking you to do anything you're not already doing. Do you realize that? It's not Roddy and Tim and I that have invited all these people, it's you guys. We did a survey back in the fall, and we discovered that over 60% of you have invited more than one guest to church here in the last year. So it's your fault we're full, and it's your fault we haven't had a third service. <laughs> Not the pastors, it's your fault. Just kidding. No. So I'm just asking you and encouraging you, keep doing what you're already doing. Keep loving people. Keep investing in people. Keep praying for people. Keep serving people and keep saying, God, is this someone you want me to invite to be part of what you're doing here? 
Is this someone who needs to know the Jesus that I love and the Jesus who loves me more than I can ever even describe or put words around? You know, one thing we discovered in doing some more research is we discovered that over 90% of our church lives within a 10-mile radius of this place here. There's a few of you on the outliers, but 90% of our church within a 10-mile radius. And um, any idea how many people live within a 10-mile radius of this building? Um, Just shy of 200,000 people, 192,000 people live within a 10-mile radius of right here. That's hard to believe, isn't it? It's hard to believe. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. And let me ask you this question. Do you think there are people in the Cocalico um, School District, in the Garden Spot School District, Ephrata School District, Mifflin, Wiser, who need Jesus? I think there are. I think there are. And as long as there are, we have a, we have a job to do. We have something that God's called us to do. And so the challenge for us is to be praying and saying, God, what is, what is my and one going to be this summer? What is my and one going to be this summer? Is it me taking a step and saying, now it's time for me to get in the game? Time for me to get in the game. I came and, and I've been blessed by the worship and I've been challenged by the teaching and God has been at work in my lives and my kids love being here. And now it's time for me to say, how can I get involved and serve and be used by God? Because I want to see God keep reaching more and more people. And if that's true in your life, to say, God, how, who this summer am I praying for? Am I praying for? Uh, there's some of you in this room that if I would have tapped you on the shoulder and said four years ago, you're gonna, your life is going to change drastically. And um, you're going to decide God's important. And you're going to start coming to church and you're going to get involved in serving, and you're going to decide you want to follow Jesus, you, um, you would have said to me, you're crazy. You're crazy. But that's happened in some of your lives. And we believe what God's calling us to do is see that happen over and over and over and over again. And so what is your and one going to be for you this summer? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And just give you a moment uh, for you to talk to God about what it is he's stirring in your heart, and then I'll close in prayer. God, I know for me, there's not much I want more in this life than for you to keep changing me, and for you to keep transforming me, and for you to keep making me more like Jesus. But I don't like the process, God. I wish I could just skip it most of the time. But I know it's what you do to humble me. Help me see myself and help me realize that I cannot do this without you.
And so God, as you change me, as you are changing us, you are changing our church. And God, you have brought people to us over these last several years who are searching and hungry and looking for Jesus. And we believe we're at this time and at this crossroads where you're giving us a nudge and saying it's time for all of us to step into another change. And God, some of us don't really like that idea. We resist the idea. It seems like it's enough right now. Why can't we just stop? And God seems to be giving us a nudge and saying now's the time to take another step. And so, Lord, you know each person's heart and where they're at in their journey. You know those that um, they need to be challenged to serve good because it's going to mean some extra time. Instead of an hour and a half on a Sunday, it, they're going to give three hours of their time to you to serve and uh, then to come in here and worship or vice versa. Um, God, for some of us, it's going to give up a little bit of our comfort zone as we move towards people that are different than us and that we're not even sure how to relate to them and we're like, I don't really know God, but you keep giving me this nudge and keep walking towards them and, and uh, I'm not even sure I know how to love people different than me, God. And so Lord, you have change in store for every person who's here today. And so, Father, as we walk into this today, we know that it's going to require um, sacrifice. It's going to require surrender. It's going to require giving up some of what we want. 